Collegiately speaking. And we're underway. Needs a block on the picker. He gets it. And will he go the distance? Yes, he will. Touchdown, Michigan State. As the Hokies deliver the dagger here in Tallahassee. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win. Unbelievable. Here's Collegiately Speaking, your one-stop shop for college football news. Collegiately Speaking. With Dave Enn and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountain? Collegiately Speaking. And welcome to another week of Collegiately Speaking. Dave Ennett with former Northwestern quarterback Dan Persa as we wrap up the month of October and begin the new month, the final month of the college football regular season after another dramatic weekend with some ups and some downs for some familiar teams and a great schedule ahead this weekend. We're going to get into some of those games, but uh, I guess the first place to start, Dan, is in Evanston last Saturday and Northwestern uh, taking control of its destiny in the Big Ten West with a win over Wisconsin. And you look at dramatic wins uh, that Northwestern's had over the years. Two weeks earlier, they go overtime to beat Nebraska. This is one where they, they had a three-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. Everybody's looking at each other saying, wait a minute, they're not supposed to be up by three touchdowns. They're usually playing right down to the end of the game. But uh, this was one where they were able to take control. Very impressive effort. Uh, certainly their defense played lights out against Wisconsin. Yeah, I think to your point, it was kind of anticlimactic. Um, you know, the, it, we thought it'd be closer. We thought it'd be a, a dog fight, but it, it really wasn't. And I think the, the most impressive thing is that Northwestern kind of beat Wisconsin with the Wisconsin way. Played really good defense. You know, I thought Clayton kind of had an up and down game you know, with three interceptions, but he, he made plays when he needed to to win the game. And they really, they just ran the ball. They dominated the line of scrimmage, controlled time of possession. Um, and it, and it wasn't close so you know I think a lot of people have been talking about this Northwestern has always you know gone into these contender pretender games and and hasn't really produced on the highest level and they kind of finally broke through in this game and I think for anyone who follows Northwestern it it was just a kind of a bolt of lightning going into this weekend at Notre Dame we're going to talk about that matchup uh, Michigan State uh, with the win over Purdue after Purdue had beaten Ohio State the week before and uh, how about uh, Penn State's win over Iowa that a big one with the ramifications as well in the Big Ten West but we want to bring in a very special guest and a good friend and a member of the WGN sports team and it is none other than Jared Payton joining us on Collegiately Speaking. JP how are you sir? I'm doing well how are you guys doing? Doing great. I know you are not only a former college football player, but you are a college football as as well as a pro football fan. So this week we got the first college football playoff rankings. Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Notre Dame, the top four. Any any initial thoughts on the way they rank those teams? Uh, no, I mean, you, you still look at, at Alabama, they're right where they should be. I mean, they're still that team that everybody is still trying to knock off. And, and Dave, it, it's impressive to me of being on a team like I was and through those years at the University of Miami and how hard it is to be able to stay up on top and with everybody else coming to knock you off. And Nick Saban and his group have found a way to, to keep recycling, going through and bringing guys in and, and being at the top. 
I think the team that kind of jumped out to me that I didn't see kind of being in this mix at this point with the first rankings was LSU. And I think from the beginning of watching, you know, my Hurricanes come out and have a hard time with LSU, you, you started to see them over over time in the SEC of being a team that can that can contend. Now they have an opportunity though to to go up against Alabama, so they'll really get a chance to see where they stand. And Notre Dame is sitting right there, probably where they should be but now from here on out I mean coming up this weekend it's going to be a big challenge and they they're everybody's coming at them now and they have to have to figure out can they keep finding ways to win to be able to be one of those top four at the end of the season Hey, Jared, Dan Purse here. Thanks for joining us. Um, you, I think you bring up a pretty interesting point kind of on the, the dynasties in, in college football. You know, we saw it with Miami and then USC and, and now with Alabama. And I think a lot of people, especially Alabama fans, and Nick Saban has kind of got on the fans for kind of taking it for granted. Why do you think it's so hard to stay on top? I think people that play the game um, understand why, but I think you would have a pretty interesting view on it. What has Alabama done that uh, you know, a Miami or a USC couldn't do over you know, the last 10 years? I think it really comes down to the leadership at, at the top, and it's a, I think it's a hard deal because even with our situation in Miami, we, I, mean, I, I believe in my heart, and I, I, we, don't, we can't look, at, look back in there or look at the future when you're in that time, but I go, try to go back and look, and, man, if Butch Davis doesn't leave, I think we have an opportunity to win maybe two or three or maybe four in a row at the U because of his ability to be able to recruit. And Nick Saban has done such a really good job at bringing guys in. And, and to me, it speaks volumes, though, to the kids that want to go there. Because right. you think about it, you know, you're a top recruit. You want to go to Alabama. You know that there is going to be competition at every single position and that if you don't do what you're supposed to or you get a starting job, doesn't mean you're going to be there for your entire four, four or five years there. So, it just it speaks to what they've done and the culture that they've created, and I think that's what it comes down to. Do you have a culture that can kind of you know rehash itself once those guys leave to go to the NFL? Do you have guys that can come in and be right behind them that are starters that can kind of take up where they left off? And I think it's it's pretty special to have that in a program, and every single program is searching for it. But to see how Alabama and Nick Saban have done it over these last couple of years, it's just outstanding right jp who's a guy that if and i know you're focused a lot on the bears these days and covering them but uh, who's a guy in college football that you look at today and you really enjoy when you have the opportunity to watch him play anybody stand out to you uh, you, I'm going to keep it close to home. Um, there's a, an, an interesting guy that plays for the Cats. Clayton Thorson just – there's something about him. And you guys were talking about it before I came on about how he – there's so many things. And I love the fact that there's guys that stand out that are – you know, you look at that can go to the NFL and and you're looking at them. But I think with, with Clayton there's this – there's this in-between of where what he can be or what he could be down the line and what we've seen in college and just being able to watch him. And I think just the, the process of coming back from an injury and having up-and-down games and seeing – I've been keeping my eye close on him to kind of see what he can do at the end of the season. And then all the people on the outside who talk to me about – 
is pro potential. I mean, I, to me, those are things that I look at and I like to watch people in their in, in their their rise and, and, and their grind to get to where they need to go. Yeah, I think it's, that's a great point. And, and Northwestern fans, I think, sometimes get frustrated, frustrated with his up-and-down performances. But at the end of the day, all the guy does is win. Yeah. Look at his resume. The winningest right. quarterback it's in the program. all he does. He can throw three interceptions, but he's, he's going to win the game. And let me tell you this. This, this is why. It's because I give him a lot of credit. And the reason why I said that, uh, Dave, is because you, you lose running backs and you lose kind of your – you know, your stout running game and, and what has become kind of a, a common thing at Northwestern. And he's had to put this team on his back. He, he really has. He's had to put this team on his back and carry this team to try to find ways to win and, and dig it out here and there. You go up against a Wisconsin team that defensively, you know, had some issues as well and some injuries. But you look at their offense and what they've been able to do, and you come out with a, a huge, huge victory as being the underdogs to me. That right there is huge, and I think that's a that's a big step going into this weekend's game against Notre Dame. Having that confidence, believing that you can do it, and I always say in college football, it's it's so crazy in sports in general, but in college football, if if you can find a way to be that underdog and 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 find a way to win. Man, that right there can kind of elevate a program to another level for recruiting and everything else. And, you know, there's situations where I've been in those situations. So, you know, our last game in, co- in college at 2001 season before the regular season, before we went to national championship, we almost lost to Boston College at Boston College. They gave us their best fight, and they shouldn't even have been in the game with us. But it just goes to show that either you can be that team that knocks off the big dog or the big dog finds a way to win. So I think that's what makes this weekend so compelling of figuring out, can Northwestern figure out a way to be able to beat this Irish team? And listen, all the pressure is on Notre Dame. You know, Northwestern needs to come out and play their game, control the game on the ground, if they can do that, and find a way to win and, and, and stop Ian Book defensively and make him throw picks and make him feel uncomfortable in the pocket. Listen, anything is possible, you guys. Yeah, no question about that. Where would Miami be with a guy like Thorson? Man, I'm I'm telling you, uh, that's been kind of the the biggest issue so far in, in, in seeing how everything has played out in Miami and you know you got to find a way to get a quarterback and we know how crucial quarterbacks are when it comes to you know college football and the game of football in general and you know that's the one thing that I want to see Mark Rick figure out a way to do is to find that quarterback he hasn't done it yet but defensively I think Miami is good enough to play with anybody offensively you got to find a balance there and there's not really a balance and you know we I know the game is changing, you guys. I, I get it. I totally understand. I'm I'm not a huge fan of these RPOs. I want to go back to lining up in the I formation and running, you know, downhill or running, you know, stretch plays to open up that play action. But they got to find out what's best for the system. But they do have a lot of athletes. You got to find a guy like, and I'm. I know there's not a lot of Ken Dorseys around there that are out there. But you got to find someone that can manage the game and get that ball to the athletes and let them make plays. And if you can do that and have a defense to back you up, then I think that's what gives you an opportunity to win in college football. By the way, they got a, a tough matchup this week with Duke. 
Uh, Duke's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, everybody looked at that Duke win in Evanston, but but Duke's not bad. Let me ask you this before I let you go, since uh, you're mainly covering the Bears, and this week marks the halfway point of the season. Uh, if they beat the Buffalo Bills, as people expect, they're going to have five wins halfway through. Do you think right now, JP, this is a playoff team? This is a loaded question. I uh, I truly believe that they can be I, uh, defensively. They 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 have to get Khalil Mack back, and I don't think that it's this week. I think the, I think they need to send him out another week to get that ankle. I think that's the hard thing about having you know your bye week so early on in the season is that you need it a little bit later in the season when guys do get banged up and get some bruises and bumps and here and there, but. They still have a way to go, and I know that we've seen this defense kind of, you know, for the first four games come out and, and play pretty solid. Offensively, they still got to find their groove as well. And I think last weekend we saw them in the running game get the running game going just a little bit. It's not a big part of this Matt Nagy offense, but it has to be, especially with the weather starting to change here in Chicago, and it's going to change around the country, where you're going to have to be able to run the ball when it gets colder out. They have to find a way to get Jordan and Howard going, and I know they love these RPOs and everything out of the shotgun, but I'm going to go back to it as, a, as an old running back. they <laughs> got to run the football That's and right. what makes him comfortable. If they can do that, if they can do that, they have enough playmakers on the field offensively to get to the playoffs. Uh, defensively, it's the Khalil Mack factor. He has to be healthy. He's, he changes the dynamics of that Bears defense. And if that happens, I think anything's possible right now. And I'm just happy as a Bears fan and as a person that covers this team that this team has been in every single game that they played in this year, and that's that's so far away from the last couple of years and the last regime where they would either get blown out or they had no business being in the game. And I think that is what's building on the culture inside of that Bears locker room. And Matt Nagy has something special in him as a coach that he's still trying to figure out. And also while he's trying to figure out his relationship with Mitchell Trubisky, if they can do that, I think um, they have a good shot of, of being in the postseason, and uh, I think it's a year ahead of schedule. I think if you said that next year, especially with all these guys and a year underneath their belt, I think we could say that next year. But if they can make it this year, I think that's a great platform to step on for years to come with this organization. Yeah, it wasn't all that long ago. We certainly couldn't say that. Hey, JP, we appreciate the time, and uh, maybe we can catch up with you later in the season again and get the update on uh, the Hurricanes. Thanks, Jared. Hey, no problem. Take care, guys. Okay, we'll see you. Jared Payton, you hear him on WGN Radio. You see him on WGN TV and CLTV Sports Feed every night with Josh Friedman at 6 o'clock. All right, so let's get to uh, these games this past weekend, a couple of them. Northwestern, Wisconsin, we touched on briefly. Uh, and, and there is this kind of puzzling thing where, I don't know how many times I've been asked this in the past week or so. This team, how do they lose to Akron and then beat two ranked teams, one of them on the road? Yeah, Yeah, I think it's it's what everybody, anyone who's followed this program over the last 10, 15 years, and even the players like myself, it's, you know, we and they find a way to play up and down to their, you know, opponents, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, and everybody searches for that reason why I think sometimes, you know, coaches 
minimize the playbook against lesser opponents to not show things um, you know, down the road. I don't think that's the right way to look at it, but who, who knows what it is? Maybe it's the, the kids, maybe it's the time, get, you know, game time. I don't know. Every, every, every team gets a lot better each game. And I, I'm looking at the schedule. I think, what, what do you think the best game Northwestern's played so far? Probably Michigan State, probably the most complete game. Most, most well, yeah, I, I would say on both sides of the ball, but even there, they had a couple turnovers. Right. So I think they, they still haven't put it together yet. You look at the Wisconsin game. Yeah, they dominated the game, but, you know, Clayton had three interceptions. They're, they did a lot of things that they probably shouldn't have done. Um, so I think that's, that's the exciting thing. They continue to get better. And, and if, if you're going to put it, put together one perfect game, it's, you know, a couple of days from now, that'll work out. That would, that would be the one, right? Uh, Michigan State coming back the way they have after they lost to Michigan. Now they go home and play Purdue, which has all this energy coming off this huge win, a monumental victory, program changer against Ohio State. And then it's it's Michigan State's game. Yeah, it was really unfortunate for Purdue. They really had that chance to to take the next step. And um, you see this a lot with after big wins, you have you know huge hangovers. And I think that's probably what happened. And Rocky Lombardi from Michigan State played really well. Lewerke was hurt. Playing hurt for the last couple uh, last couple weeks, and they decided to sit him. and And Lombardi played really well, and I think you know Michigan State took care of business. And Purdue, they just they had it; they're right there for for the big kind of to stay in contention in the West. But um, I think this that's probably the game they'll look back on and say that's what did us in. Well, basically now you get into the playoffs more or less with right. Iowa losing to Penn State. Now Iowa can't afford to lose again. No, uh, and and they have Northwestern a week from Saturday. First up, they have to go to Purdue. And look, everybody's different at home, right? Iowa's going on the road for the the second straight week. Right, they knew this was going to be a tough stretch for them with Penn State, Purdue, then Northwestern, and that's what it's turned out to be. Yeah, it's and it's really an elimination game this week, right? With Iowa and Purdue, whoever loses is is out, um, and you know both are long shots in the first place. And I think at this point in the season, coaches really need to you know impress upon their players to keep the blinders on and not look ahead because the Big Ten commissioner and the the schedulers do a great job of of loading the end of the schedule with very important games that they would assume are very important games, and that's what makes it fun for fans and players. But you can't look ahead. You'll see time and time again people drop drop games before huge games and drop games that they shouldn't lose after big big wins specifically. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's shaping up to be a lot of fun. I I love the idea that most teams are playing division games in the month of November, right? Uh, some aren't. I mean, they're just the math dictates that you're going to have some crossover games, but a lot of the teams are, are strictly playing within their division. All right, so we touched on it a little bit. Northwestern Notre Dame, not just a big game locally, but a big game nationally, a game which has bearing on the uh, college football uh, playoff rankings, potentially, depending on what happens here, because you have Notre Dame unbeaten ranked fourth behind a one-loss LSU team and so clearly now you got all these teams with one loss already including Michigan right on Notre Dame's heels as far as the rankings go Notre Dame looks awfully good they weren't perfect against Navy last week but they were able to come out with a win there this I think is potentially 
a tougher game for them for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I think it's it's such an intriguing game as a fan as of college football in general and as a Northwestern fan because there's so many like little storylines, right? It's Northwestern playing this this huge game for bragging rights and for their fans at home. Um and, but it really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And I think, um, you know, it matters to the Big Ten. It matters to the kids and the fans. But in the, with their goals at the, at the beginning of the season is to win the West and to win the Big Ten. And this game doesn't matter for that. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, how the coaches play it. Do they play it, you know, extremely conservative, try not to get anybody hurt, um, kind of fold it up and say, you know, if it works out, great. If not, you know, that, would, that wouldn't be great either. But or just kind of cut it loose like they do in bowl games. I think Coach McCall specifically and Fitz really roll the dice in bowl games when it doesn't matter, and I think that would be awesome as a fan to see. I don't see them playing it safe. I, don't, I really don't. I, don't think I, so think they're, yeah. I think they really want to win this game, and and I understand that it has no bearing, and Fitz stood up at his news conference on Monday and said, we got nothing to lose, right. which, which is another way of saying – we can let it fly here because if if it doesn't go our way, we're still okay. You you obviously don't want to get anybody hurt, but there's always that chance when you play football. That's the nature of the game. But I think from a the standpoint, the prestige standpoint, Dan, and and let's not forget either. I mean, Northwestern still does need one more win to become bowl eligible. I right. don't think too many people doubt they'll get it. Right, but they still have to go out on the field and get it at some point. Might as well be this week. Yeah, and I wasn't suggesting that that Fitz would would hold it back, but you never know. I think everybody would be v- right. very disappointed. Um, but no, I think I think you're right. I think they're going to let it rip, and you know, that's a whole nother conversation if if they should be doing that, you know, all the time. Um, but it's it's just super interesting, and I think when you look when you take a more macro view of this game, everybody's rooting for Northwestern, uh, an undefeated Notre Dame team wrecks havoc in the playoff. You know, right. all the one loss. Uh, you know the lower level one loss conference champions. Maybe that could be Big Ten, that could be Pac twelve, that could be Big Twelve. Um, it it really hurts them to have Notre Dame in, especially if you know Alabama drops and two teams from the SEC sneak in with Notre Dame, and then there's one other conference in. So I think everybody's really rooting for Northwestern, which is great. Um, they need they need all the the positive vibes that they can get. Um, so it's there's it's just a very intriguing matchup, um, and I'm looking forward to watching. You know, I'm still a little confused. I heard a, a national. Uh, host this week saying that Iowa is is still going to win the Big Ten West, still the favorite there. Hmm. Now Iowa six and two and three and two in the Big Ten, and their their losses in the Big Ten have been to Wisconsin and Penn State, so one loss in the division. The Wildcats are five and three, one fewer victory, uh, but they're five and one of the conference, and in the division they are three and zero. Oh. So. In my mind, there's this assumption that I was going to beat Northwestern November 10th. Northwestern has played pretty well in Iowa City over the years and played pretty well in general against the Hawkeyes, including last year. So I I don't think I was looking at that game as any kind of an easy matchup for them. But but Iowa first has to get through this game at Purdue. And I thought that was a very disappointing performance by Iowa last week. Here they are in position to win the game. I mean, they, here here you are on the, almost on the goal line. And critical mistakes like that, as you get to the end of October, can can just kill a team. Yeah, and cost you shots at the championship. And I think when you watch that game, it was like Penn State or and Iowa didn't want to win. It was like, oh, well, right. why don't you take a try? Why don't right. you take a try? Here, throw a pick six. Here, we'll throw uh, a pick on, on the goal line. So 
I think more than anything, there was two things that kind of stuck out to me about that game was kind of the the guts of Trace McSorley coming back from that knee injury and and playing you know pretty well in a, in, in tough conditions, and then Nate Stanley kind of just laid an egg, um, you know, from the miss. I think the early miss on that play action when they had the tight end running wide open on down the field and then he just he just wasn't making very you know intermediate throws and rudimentary throws that that he can make in his sleep probably lefty so I think he's gonna look back at that game and be like man I would have could have showed up but I think you know at the end of the day he, he let the team down and hopefully he bounces back at Purdue that's all you can do you can focus on the next week all right well let's uh, focus on this week let's get to some predictions here and we're gonna start with our super Joe prediction of the week. My prediction of the week is Michigan playing uh, host to Penn State. This is a bit of a revenge game. Penn State uh, took it to Michigan last year in the whiteout game, and um, Michigan is favored by 10 points. So I think that this is a game where the number one defense in the country comes in super strong, you know, focused to, to you know, like I said, revenge tour rolls on. Uh, the, the, um, the quarterback is starting that. to play better. He's starting to get better with, uh, with the offense. And um, I, I see them covering the, the spread and then some. I think okay. that's fair. Yeah, I, think that's, I fair. think that's a good analysis. And, of course, uh, that keeps the Wolverines right. Uh, well, who knows? Depending on what happens this week, maybe it can get them into that top four or perhaps a little closer, depending. All right, Dan, what about you for a prediction? I'm going to go to Purdue, a uh, big game with, like we talked about, kind of an elimination game um, in West Lafayette. Um, you know, it's it's going to be, a, it's kind of a toss-up. I think the line's two and a half right now. Both teams coming off pretty brutal losses. Um, you know, I think, I don't think Iowa bounces back. I think Purdue ends up winning this game um, at home when they really need it. And that Titans Northwestern's grip Titans on the, grip. the Big Ten West, yeah. regardless of what happens, and it makes that game in Iowa City an absolute must for Iowa to win to have right. any chance. Right. And and one other thing about Iowa, you know, their last game of the year, they played that traditional game the day after Thanksgiving against Nebraska. This year, it's in Iowa City. But I look at Nebraska and the way they're starting to play. I don't think that's a gimme no. by any stretch for the Hawkeyes as well as their defense has played over the course of the year. Yeah, I think they've getting they've gotten better every week, and we saw them at Northwestern should have won that game, and they're just rolling right now. And I think they they have a great chance to to rattle off some wins here. All right, and Michigan State at Maryland. Uh, I, I think I would have looked at Maryland last week. They put up sixty three points on Illinois. Uh, but overall, Maryland's been pretty good this year. They they have a great chance to go to a bowl game with all the upheaval in their program. But I think this is where it ends for them because I think that with everything that's happened this week, the reinstatement of DJ Durkin, the opposition to his return, uh, the upheaval on campus, uh, students protesting, you have the governor of Maryland saying that the Board of Regents uh, didn't didn't do enough in this situation. It's become a political football as well as a right. rawhide football, uh, cowhide football. I, I think there's there's too much here that's going on that's, uh, uh, I think, going to derail 
whatever hopes at least this week Maryland has. And I also think Michigan State ought to feel pretty good about the way they played last week. So I'm going to go with yeah. uh, Michigan State to win pretty big at Maryland. I, I think there's some there could be some players starters from Maryland from what we're hearing that could not show up for the game. Yeah. I think there's there's just so much it's so heavy over there right now. I don't know how they even play this game. Well, uh, that's a quick look at some of the key games this week, and then uh, we'll come back next week. Northwestern Iowa, Ohio State at Michigan State. Uh, Illinois at Nebraska is next week. Purdue at Minnesota. Uh, Wisconsin goes to Penn State. And uh, those are some of the the games we'll keep an eye on for you. But that's going to do it for this week's edition of Collegiately Speaking. Don't forget, we'll have the Northwestern Notre Dame game on WGN Radio on Saturday. We get started at 545. Thanks to our producer, Super Joe Romano, for Dan Persa, Dave Ennett. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week.